0: All right, we're live, another episode of Monero Talk. Uh, this is a special one. It's Monero's fifth anniversary, the Moneroversary. Oh, wait. Hold on one second. I'm getting some distracting feedback here. All oh, right,
1: is
0: there on audio? Yeah, hold on one second. All right, I'm, I think I'm good now. It was on my end. <laughs>
1: Oh, it was on your end. I do have a goofy
0: pair of headphones. All right. No, we're good. We're good. All right. We're still live. We we have uh, Mitchell joining us again. He joined us a few weeks ago uh, from the standpoint of um, a member of the Monero Research Lab. Uh, Today, he is joining us as a contributor to the Mastering Monero book that was uh, published a few months ago now. Uh, I believe he's the editor of the book. Uh, there were quite a few contributors. We can go through some of them as well. Um, I know Justin played a big role in it in, uh, you know, I guess being the publisher and obviously Mm -hmm. SirHack, uh, written by SirHack, uh, he was on, he was unable to join the video today, but I do believe he's in the chat and will be answering questions if they come up, um, relative, specifically relative to him. Um, and yeah, it's just great to have you. And I believe there is an announcement to be made today for Mastering Monero. I don't, I don't want to be, be the one to say it. <laughs> yes.
1: Officially, on um, a five-year anniversary, releasing a free copy of Mastering Monero. It'll be an electronic PDF. It 100% of the content in the physical copy. Um, and yeah, that should be available for download, I believe, at mastermonero.com. Please take it, share it widely, learn lots from it.
0: Awesome. I think uh very appropriate for Monero's fifth anniversary, a present to the community. Uh yeah, we have the link posted in the show notes uh for anybody that comes across the show. Uh I, I would urge people to personally to to buy the book. Um just, you know, to kind of as a contribution back to the community. I don't even know how much is, how much does it even cost to purchase the book? It's
1: I think it's like nine dollars, um, and it does. It's not for profit. It goes to Monero charity, if I recall, um, or it's one of the donations. Um,
0: yeah, I would definitely. That's
1: like cheapest price point Amazon would let us have it at, because we wanted the physical copy to be as acceptable as possible.
0: Wow, yeah, I, w- I would urge people. And plus, it's nice you get the the physical copy. It's something to, you know, put on the on the coffee table to, you know. Impress your guests. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I have two of them. I bought one uh, when you get when it first came out, and then I got a free one when uh, Justin came to one of the New York City meetups, and uh, he gave some of them away as gifts. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely, <laughs> despite the uh, the free PDF, I would urge everyone to go ahead and and purchase it. It's only ten dollars. Uh, it's well worth it and uh it's nice to have you can write in it keep, keep notes um yeah, so so to the book itself so how did how did this all come about i mean i know so sir hack is kind of the the lead on this so he took the initiative and kind of started reaching out to everybody what was uh what was the process here
1: yeah so uh sir hack started the initiative he was Uh, Previously, I don't know if you know, put together the Monero integrations project um, for like accepting Monero payments. And that was, I want to say, like 2016, uh, a little ways back. And one of the things he discovered was that there was a lot of documentation missing or inconsistent documentation. um, And just that it was really hard to find the right resources about Monero, kind of at the right technical level, right? You either find stuff that's very ELI-5 or it's like way deeper. Um, and so what he went out to do was to really put together a book that's good for the community to kind of learn from square zero but then also go all the way into like Monero development coding stuff out um, how to work integrations all of that um, sort of putting together this great team so you mentioned Justin the publisher um, let's see Dris was our illustrator, uh, did amazing work. I would always draw up these like little s- terrible stick figure drawings. And then like 48 hours, he would have these beautiful final uh, pictures back. Absolutely magic. Um, then Gustav was our uh, designer. And yeah, the I think I was probably the last one to join on the team uh, back maybe in February. So. I posted on... Um, Reddit it was one of the Reddit boards where you can post. I think work for work, for. and I had posted that I was looking for editing work, and uh, met with Sarah Hack and realized really a perfect opportunity. I read a little bit, sent it back, and yeah, joined the team then, and we were there for over a year uh, on the on the book, and it was really really phenomenal. They're great, They're located I believe on three four different continents. Um, and coordinated by email for a lot of it, Trello for a lot of it. Um, it was really kind of r- great watching it come together.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing you guys were able to do this together as a group. Uh, I mean, I, I guess that's like Monero itself, right? Obviously, I mean, I, I'm always amazed at how uh, the developers uh, just kind of contribute their time for free. And just the the coordination that's involved. Um, I mean, this is, the the book, I think, is a good representation of that. Uh, But yeah, uh, on a higher level, the way Monero in general kind of all comes together, all these moving parts, different people all around the world, just contributing to one project and somehow uh, it working out. Um, But yeah, I I was very, what's that?
1: Oh, I was going to say, that's actually what drew me into Monero in the first place, was just. The super grassroots decentralized um, team, where it was just like super open, almost folksy, like kind of just ethos and community, and really like join in with this very uh, organic growth, organic community.
0: So, uh, SirHack himself, who, what does SirHack play any other role? I think you mentioned he was he was working on other things in Monero as well, or what were what were the other other contributions he's made.
1: So I know he he spearheaded the Monero integrations project, um, and then I think was mostly focused on mastering Monero through 2018. back um, so somewhere, feel free to hop in. I actually Serhak is a very like mysterious person. I don't know much about. Uh, so there there may be a lot <laughs> there may be a lot of other things going on that I'm not privy to.
0: Okay. Yeah, I know. We were really trying to get him on. But uh, obviously, in, in Monero, sometimes it's difficult to uh, to get guests for reasons.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, I would love to know more about him. Um, but, you know, uh, is he is he in the chat?
1: In, I had an IRC window open, but he's not here. Uh, I don't have the chat for this video open. Okay what what we do know is that he is uh an Italian security researcher and developer uh with an interest in Monero and uh general like infosec opsec that kind of thing
0: okay do we know well I guess in the book in the book it talked a little bit about his story I think he started in bitcoin um and got into Monero in like two thousand sixteen or something um so yeah, I guess you got to read the book if you want to learn about Sir Hack. Yeah,
1: later, I think.
0: So yeah, the book itself is is really great. I love the way it kind of opens up, uh, talks about, um, you know, in a general sense, you know, what what uh, Bitcoin is, kind of what the purpose of cryptocurrency is, and then in describing Bitcoin first, it segues into Monero and in that where Bitcoin falls short, obviously is its lack of privacy and fungibility. And it's uh, it's a really nice explanation and a nice kind of uh, story that takes you from Bitcoin into Monero and kind of really giving you, um, and in a, you know, a visual sense of why uh, fungibility is so important and, I I would urge anybody, obviously, I think we have mostly Monero people here, but uh, if there's any Bitcoin people out there, uh, this is, you know, a great way to get into Monero and kind of realize, you know, um, why it may be lacking some important things, such as fungibility. And it describes it very well and makes it very matter of fact. so, yeah, I like, I like the way they did that. I like the images kind of showing you, uh, you know, when you make a transaction in Bitcoin, everybody, essentially everybody knows your transaction. And then kind of describing the real world use cases for Monero and why uh, Bitcoin might be a problem for things like, uh, you know, that you guys listed off some nice things like price manipulation, financial surveillance, supply chain privacy, uh, discrimination, Um, transaction security. So you don't want people to know how much money you have. I mean, you know, kind of that, that $5 wrench attack. Uh, if I send, you know, buy something, buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin, uh, potentially, uh, somebody might know that I, you know, whatever, have, have a hundred Bitcoin, um, The tainted coins obviously which is the fungibility all really cool but what i what i thought too was would be nice uh maybe in future editions or kind of there's just like the the free speech arguments um or maybe maybe i'm missing it but I, i think there's a lot to be said there uh just in kind of the philosophical reasons why uh monero is important um I think that could be a good thing to maybe expand upon in the future. We're seeing—I uh, don't know if you're familiar with uh, Coin Center and the, the recent publications they've had on on privacy and the importance of privacy mm-hmm. in blockchain and why you know why we need to move towards that and support projects like Monero. It'd be interesting to to see maybe uh, more about that in the future. I think that's like a you know where really strong arguments can be made. On kind of this philosophical, ethical level of, of why Monero is important, kind of these free speech arguments, yeah. the freedom for people to to transact. Uh, I just thought that's something that could be. Maybe I need to make a contribution for the for, for a future yeah, edition. That,
1: that would actually be a great thing to work into version two. Uh, when when we were when we were writing the version was actually prior to that. Uh, was was it? Uh, Coinless, CoinDesk, CoinDesk, right? Uh, it was prior to that um, kind of free speech connection, and actually, I really like that uh, kind of framework for looking at it, and I think it would be neat to kind of work uh, next edition. Um, kind of some real quick notes on on what you were mentioning earlier uh, with the with like how we compare comparing and to Bitcoin. Uh, one thing I just want to like briefly mention, and this is kind of some like historical stuff. That you, from when we were putting the book together, I remember very early on, uh, in like the first maybe week of my my work editing, like, I kind of took all the material on the book and like metaphorically dumped it out on the table, and then ordered it from like what is square zero one through like you know the more advanced stuff, and very 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 carefully reordered the book so that you can uh, literally give the book to someone who is like what's is that the thing on TV once why would I want it like starting from there give them the book and you know chapter one should be like oh this is why we want cryptocurrencies why you know why they're valuable why privacy is valuable all of that Um, we definitely did not want to come off as anti-Bitcoin and so it was actually tricky because we were writing the examples at one point I think in initial draft we had had like Bitcoin for the first exam, and Ethereum in the second one, and then Litecoin in the third one, right? So for every example, we were uh, selecting a different transparent currency, um, hoping that that would show that we're kind of like generally talking about uh, ecosystem endemic privacy issues. And then since that chapter is geared towards people that have maybe just heard of cryptocurrency 20 minutes ago, we're like, ah, that could get overwhelming if we're now bouncing around a ton of names um, and trying to figure out Oh wait, is it because of like the specific? So for simplicity, we ended up just using Bitcoin in the references and kind of putting it. Uh, these apply currencies, uh, not Bitcoin. We're just kind of using it as an example, uh, just to like to like make that. Close.
0: Uh, was that something that Sirhack was also concerned about? Is uh, what's it, what's his take on the kind of Bitcoin versus Monero? Does he? Do you know if he has an opinion on that? Um is he a bitcoin slash monero guy or is he a, is he a pure bred monero guy?
1: I actually have no, I have no clue okay. so um i also don't know like what other pseudonyms he operates under in different communities um uh, i I know from the that so he learned a little bit about bitcoin and then became very interested in monero um i I think I remember once that like maybe there was involvement in another cryptocurrency, but I like, I don't actually know. Um, again, there's a lot of, uh, mystery surrounding, surrounding him.
0: Appropriate for Monero. How about the, um, So yeah, that, that would be uh that was something that came to mind when I was reading it. Kind of that, you know, something on about the kind of the free speech arguments would be cool to see. And then also okay. the uh the wallet section I think is great where you guys are talking about the wallets. And I know like I believe Justin had I believe it was Justin that had published something, not so that people kind of really understood um, you know, um what 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 your What you're getting when you're using, you know, uh, a mobile wallet versus, you know, a web wallet versus a hardware wallet. And then even among the mobile wallets themselves, how there's kind of different things to be concerned about in terms of security, whether or not you truly control your own keys. um, And then how like the level, whether or not it's truly open source, because, I mean, this is kind of a debate. Things we're always seeing uh, on Reddit oh, you know, Cake Wallet is the only open source uh, mobile wallet uh, or the first, right? And then there's other ones coming saying, well, my Monero was for, you know, there's this whole, it would be nice, maybe maybe a chapter or in that chapter kind of to like break down and describe all the wallets and how they should be uh, categorized in terms of their security, um, whether or not you're truly holding your keys, uh, you know, with you know with cake for example you hold the keys with my Monero um, you know you hold your private keys but you're giving up your view key and there might be so I think those those are interesting things uh, in just in looking at the wallet section that people might that you might want to make people aware of so they know what they're what they're getting when they choose their wallet just just another idea
1: like the most challenging sections to write and we rewrote it so many times um because it's really it's tricky for two reasons. One, the length on wallets is just inconsistent. It's up. and like honestly, wallets not even a great term, right? If you want to go physical analogies, like your wallet actually your physical wallet actually stores your money. Your crypto you wallet actually store your money. so the, the length is best. And then uh, this I believe went into chapter two, right? Because uh, the goal while writing it was. chapter use Monero. Chapter two is how to use Monero. Like totally non-technical. Give it to your you know grandma or an eight-year-old, whatever they should be able to understand how to use Monero. And then it gets more technical from chapter three. The notion being you could close the book at the end of chapter and be ready to know everything you needed. So it was really actually extremely tricky because the news between these different wallets with kind of as you were saying Who's got what key, and you know, Monero has like four keys: private, public, public view. Um, it was really to figure, try to figure out how to boil those concepts down in a way to become non-technical, and yet detailed enough to allow people to actually make educated decisions at the level they needed. Um, definitely, uh, we'll be looking to iterate on ways to improve that in version two, um, and then the conversation that Justin started maybe like a month or two ago. I think was really valuable, and if we can kind of standardize the language and make it uh, and more descriptive, uh, I think it'd be for everyone it would definitely love to then reflect that in the next edition of the book.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Easier said than done. I realize that. Yeah. I mean, you guys, it, it's it's not easy to express these completely novel ideas, and like you said, trying to use. Uh, or trying to use analogies to what people already understand it, it kind of makes things difficult because like you said i mean a, a wallet really isn't even i guess an appropriate term right because it's it's more about holding your keys versus not holding your keys that's i never even really thought of it that way yeah no i think uh yeah ju- the work that justin recently did in describing wallets would be a, a great start for maybe incorporating that um Let's see, going through further, this is, I mean, there's obviously a lot of great stuff in here. I like the um the, where was it the taxicab analogy, which I believe was for uh, describing how miners um, you know the, kind of describing proof of work and 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 why you need proof of work with the analogy of taxicab the taxicab uh, network. Do you want do you have a good understanding for? Of that, do you remember that one off the top of your head?
1: Yeah, I actually I have such mixed feelings. About it. So I, I came up with that analogy. Um, oh,
0: you came up with that and, one. That's I think it's great. I came up with that one.
1: Yeah, I I came up with that one uh, again. Sketched out these terrible like white white pink big figure drawings that often turned into beautiful illustrations. I yeah, it was really hard to describe proof of work in a very, in a very technical way. I really liked the analogy when I came up with it, and then now I have like mixed feelings because it's not, it's not perfect, right? Because there's a little bit of a sense of like uh, progress in the rearrangement um, and a little bit of a skill thing, which doesn't quite map to the system. So I've always been actually kind of rolling through if there's an analogy for uh, the second edition. But I'm glad you like it, um, and, that it and that it's helpful and instructive.
0: Yeah, how would you do you wanted to describe it a little bit? I think it's just good to get out there. I mean, ho- you know, hopefully people read oh, yeah, it yeah. But yeah.
1: Yeah, so um let me collect my thoughts real quick. So we were trying to come up with a I was trying to come up with an analogy to describe conceptually how proof of work works and also why why we even bother with that. And the analogy I can think of transactions as riders of a like a taxi service that are trying to go from point city to point B. And someone's trying to go from point B to point C, right? So people are trying to get all around. And you have a bunch of independent taxi drivers that represent the miners. And the way that we kind of set up this scenario is that all of the people that want to get rides call in app or whatever so that the rides show up on kind of a board that need a pending board. Which is your analogy to the mempool or the memory pool? So, in other words, uh, transactions that have been broadcast but not yet mined. In this case, is have been announced but not yet executed. Um, And then all of the taxi drivers, each representing a miner, are competing to uh, submit a plan and be able to check out a car to move the the riders, and the the car then. Winning, being the first one to get done and then being able to check out the car is the analogy for actually uh, having solved the block. And so you're putting the sections in the block or you're putting the riders in the car, however you want to look at it. Um, and the notion was that the the way that this uh, would work is that the rider, the first, so I think there's like a picture of like three competing taxi drivers, so three miners, and each of them are like looking at the board of upcoming and then. Um, kind of rearranging the letters and the writer's names to create a sentence. And the sentence can be total nonsense, right? Like FM is red, yum, or something. Um, but it needs to, follow, you know, it needs to be letters long and follow the grammatical conventions of the local language. The notion here is that one, might get a head start on the next block because as soon as like the last checkout, they have to start from scratch with like the next set of riders rearranging those. So that's how like at every block, once it's mined, all of the miners then begin working on the next block. Um, uh, What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, and that also that kind of shows where uh, with the proof of work, the, the work isn't valuable later, right? So this sentence that Apple jam is good, isn't going to be used outside of any context. It's not gonna be used for any other uh, It's simply to solve this block. And then to frame why we need proof of work, we talk about the fact that if you have, say, you know, we've got a bunch of these taxi drivers they're all competing for spots in the car. And some of them may be malicious, right? They may be able to pick up riders from a certain neighborhood or from a certain demographic, right? And that kind of censorship is unacceptable to the Monero Taxi Cab Service, which wants to serve all riders equally. And so uh, we have the riders do these competitions because if there was just like, no, sorry, the the taxi drivers, because it was just one taxi driver who could check it out whenever, then they might be able to do censorship or discrimination. But by causing them to compete, as long as some of your drivers are honest, even if a couple rides go up to the board and are ignored by dishonest dri- uh, drivers, eventually an honest driver is going to win the block and go pick up all of those riders and take them to their destination. So the notion being that proof of work um, kind of grants censorship resistance to the system. Um, yeah, maybe not those that does element run through <laughs> that. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's not easy to accept. Yeah. definitely worth checking out in the book, though. I think it's you know, I, th- I think it's a pretty good analogy. Like you said, it, it's, it's not easy to come up with something that uh, truly uh, defines why uh, proof of work makes sense for things other than uh, cryptocurrency. So using this analogy, it's it's difficult, but it, it, for anybody just getting into it, I think it really does start to open your mind and kind of make sense of these things. Because lots of times, you know, I mean, people, especially hearing cryptocurrency, learning about it for the first time, all this stuff sounds so random. I mean, it's like you have computers that are solving puzzles and somehow that turns into money and, you know, they're burning mm-hmm. electricity for it. Why? You know, so the, it, it, it's it's very abstract uh, I would definitely recommend people to check out that section. Um, yeah, the notion the, of "I'm
1: going to do something useless to prevent censorship" is uh, very alien outside of this context.
0: Right, uh, but I thought you guys did a very good job with that. So that was something that stood out to me. Um, what are some other What are some other notable things we could point out in the book? I guess. Oh, I guess one of the things I wanted to mention, actually things that weren't in the book um, too, was maybe just more criticisms of Monero itself. I know Monero likes is, is kind of famous for being uh, skeptical of itself. Uh, the community it, itself is like that uh, on Reddit. I think there's skepticism or what do we call it? Uh, I forget what we call it on Reddit, but... Uh, mm-hmm. on Sundays when everybody asks their, their critical questions of, of Monero. Uh, and then Justin did his show breaking Monero, which I think is, is a great series that really goes into, uh, you know, some of the potential flaws of where Monero can do things better. Um, do you guys plan on incorporating those ideas into the book as well? Kind of going into some of the potential, um, drawbacks or shortcomings of Monero or where we yeah, think we can do things better?
1: Uh, yeah, I think, I think that would, I mean, that should be its chapter. I would. Um, back in February 20, whatever, February 2018 when we were like putting together kind of the outline for the book um, was uh, before the Breaking Monero series occurred. And also um, my earlier days in Monero where I wasn't quite as, uh, I was, still working out what, how it works under the hood and whatnot and hadn't yet gotten this broad picture of all the statistical weaknesses. Um, so it didn't end up in the book because it kind of wasn't on my radar when we were piecing it together. Uh, but now I, I spend a lot of my waking hours thinking about Monero weaknesses and ways to exploit them and ways to fix them. Uh, and I do think it's like a really important thing to then discuss in the book. So I would, I actually think we could almost use the breaking Monero series to like give us the starting point of the outline for the chapter and then just go in and kind of flesh out all of those ideas um, would be really powerful. And also, I think it would be good to, it helps to hone in on what are the, what are the stronger and weaker weaknesses, right? Since we have like, in the book we talk about, uh, you know, there's TV to to obscure your transaction amount. There's ring signatures to obscure your sender. And there's uh, stealth addresses to obscure the recipient. And one of those things is the other. So stealth addresses and ring CT are both cryptographically secure, right? Enormous, enormous, enormous numbers, can't be cracked, sort of. Uh, like, those are secure in the in the. Case. And then ring signatures are a different type of security, right? So they're not cryptographically secure in the sense that uh, they're cryptographically secure in the sense that you can't like uh, back out mathematically which output produced the ring signature. But instead of your numbers with with the other two numbers are like whatever, 10 to the 70 power, right? You know, huge. With ring signatures, it's like, well, one out of 11. It's just a much smaller number by orders and orders and orders of magnitude. And so... That's where like, two of our privacy features are really strong. One of them has the you know, heuristic weaknesses uh, where we have all this like, graph matching analysis and trying to kind of like, uh, whittle away at that. Um, and so I think really diving into that and helping readers and like, the relatives of these features would probably be valuable because in the first edition, we treat them as like, all equally, all equally um, so we'll say privacy protecting and kind of like really digging in a little bit more uh, differences could be useful. Or I don't know, maybe, maybe
0: I don't know what you thought. Yeah, no, I, th- I think, yeah, that that's, I think that would be a great approach. And then also, you know, obviously comparing it to other projects, um, you know, like Zcash uh, and then maybe Bitcoin itself in terms of, you know, the privacy features that Bitcoin is looking to add or kind of its workaround. Uh, I mean, for me, the, the big question always is: is is Monero uh, digital cash? That's kind of like the the thing that's always kind of playing in the back of my mind and on this show, uh, trying to pursue that question: uh, is it the mm-hmm. best form of digital cash that we have? Right. So comparing, I, I personally think we're there right now, uh, and we're 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 on a trajectory where we where we'll hopefully maintain that position. Um, but just, you know, uh, being honest with ourselves and trying to figure out, are we, are we actually digital cash? Uh, are we doing it better than Zcash and Bitcoin? I think that's, that's really, for me, that's kind of the big question and Mm -hmm. not so much, you know, I, I personally see that as kind of what, what this is all about. So it's not so much being a, a Monero maximalist, but a digital cash maximalist. And currently Monero seems to be the front runner. Uh, but just kind of always questioning ourselves. Are are we still the one? Are we doing everything that we need to do to kind of maintain that? And uh, I think that's ultimately what the community does. But, uh, yeah, it would be nice to see that maybe chapters on that that kind of c- compares us to Zcash and Bitcoin in addition to our, our own follies.
1: Yeah, we kind of um, like very intentionally avoided that uh, kind of for... Uh I would say three main reasons, but these are kind of my reasons. I'm not the whole team here. Or, or maybe I am. Uh but kind of my thoughts are one, um just because we wanted this to be kind of potentially like a textbook kind of resource, uh, we keep it at a relatively high level of professionality. And so then there were questions of like, well, if we take time to then go uh really dig into weaknesses in other projects is that like in scope of the book out of scope of the book is that stronger weaker um the other two kind of issues are one um we didn't have any zcash experts um on board with the book and so none of us felt quite confident enough to like do a teardown of zcash ourselves um so i think it would be possible maybe to the net in an upcoming version, but I think we would actually probably want to find someone with Zcash expertise to kind of hop on the team, um, and contribute to that. And I would be, I mean, I would be chat with the Zcash team if they're writing a book and help them narrow weaknesses, uh, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, and then, and then the last piece is just that things change so quickly in the space. Um, if you think about, so we published the first edition in uh, end of 2018, if I recall. And I think if I was writing a criticism of Zcash then, um, I, my, my main issues would have been, oh, well, it's nigh impossible to use it on a mobile device. And so, you know, the proof times are so big and so large um, that it won't be able to get mainstream adoption pool and since your anonymity pool is so small, then yes, your transactions said one out of 11 it's one out of the whole pool, but that's still small and vulnerable to heuristics and graph matching and all of that. Like when that occurred and when we're talking today, they've upgraded to sapling. Now the proofs are way smaller, way faster. I think it happened on mobile devices. So like it's one of those like the criticisms would have already been out of criticism would have already been out of date by like the time we're having this conversation um so yeah so it's that's the other that's the other tricky thing i do i'm also very interested in zcash and several different privacy coins so i've been following it more and more um we kind of hang out in the their dev room and all of that so hopefully i'll be a little bit more equipped to kind of process and talk about that in the future as well
0: Hmm. yeah no don't get me wrong i mean uh you guys you, I think you made a great decision then in what, in what you did, because uh, it, it, it does have this very uh, researchy feel to it, uh, like this you know, scientific, um, something like a, you know, an, an, an honest resource that you can trust, uh, which I'm always impressed by Monero. I don't know where that's stemming from, uh, but that seems to be part of our culture, and it's woven into it, which I think is a great asset to our, to our culture um like i said that whole skepticism thing but also just kind of this professionalism in terms of uh how things are are published uh kind of this research where is that stemming from i guess that's a good question i mean where is that where where is that coming down from um is it just the fact that the monero research lab exists uh because we kind of always have this researchy vibe to what we do that's a really
1: good question um yeah, because I always love we, – we joke about Monero, like, the most non-transparent cryptocurrency, but then the most, like, decentralized, transparent community. Um, right. I don't even know. That culture That culture has been around since before I before I joined and is actually part of what drew me to it. Um, I love it. I don't quite know where it comes from. The Because it, it seems to be, from my perspective, you know, you see people just being, like, full, really honest uh, both critical and, um, in positive ways on Reddit, on IRC, kind of through all the different documentation and resources. Um, I don't know, it's interesting that just ended up kind of attracting like a very, uh, professional kind of orbit, I would say. I think some of it recently may be, um, with the Monero outreach and education group um xmr halian i don't know i hope i'm pronouncing that right um kind of got in touch with me around the beginning of the book and we were thinking oh uh, how can we how can we help spread useful uh transparent uh communicable information and they put together uh or like i put together a draft for like a journalist quick sheet and back into something beautiful and published it out and then started this work group that has really I think, something neat that, uh, you know, they do all kinds of application, um, getting information out there, fact sheets. I think that is really strong resource for the Monero community.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And then also, um, oh, actually I just caught a, caught a good question. Uh, somebody was, Asking what what would ASICs be in this analogy? Back to the analogy uh, for proof of work, uh, the taxicab (laughs) analogy. What what would ASICs be in that analogy? Any any way to uh, depict that? That is
1: a great question. That is a really great question.
0: Um, And that's potentially maybe something you could uh, go back to in your ASIC discussion in the book as well. Back to the analogy. It's a it's good. It is a good question.
1: Yeah, what what would an ASIC be? Because they're still doing they're still just shuffling randomly, right? They're not like programmatically able to navigate the sentences better. So yeah, I don't know. It would be like (laughs) some machine that just very rapidly like shuffle scan, shuffle scan, shuffle scan, shuffle scan. Uh, something like that, but I, I think yeah, in
0: describing I- it, you help depict the 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 importance for why we are ASIC resistant. Currently ASIC resistant, and that we want to maintain the censorship resistance. Right? Is that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a great ASIC analogy off the top of my head, but it'll like come to me in a couple hours. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I love to hear what other people think of for that. Actually,
0: yeah, yeah. Something that would uh, allow somebody to. May gain an advantage uh and then where it kind of becomes more centralized i don't know something to think about good question uh and then yeah in terms of uh the contributors yeah uh, you know i i guess we didn't mention everybody uh i'm not going to read everybody off now so you know obviously when you check out the book you know make sure you take a look at that because uh, obviously a lot of people participated here um but I, I noticed that Fluffy isn't on here, which I think is kind of a, another testament to the fact that Monero is this distributed beast where there's a lot of people working on it, a lot of people doing projects. Uh, this book itself, you know, led by SirHack, but built with various members of the community, just a testament to the fact that Monero is truly distributed and open source. And I do find that interesting that, uh, yeah, Fluffy's not even, uh, not even in the credits. You would think he'd be, you know, the top contributor yeah. here. For any anybody that doesn't really know Monero, you know that, that would be their their first thought. You know, why isn't Fluffy part of this? Without understanding that there's a lot more to Monero than uh, than the current frontman. Just just a thought. Yeah, it
1: was, yeah, one of the I don't think Fluffy was involved with the book at all. One of the really neat things actually was that over the course of writing this, you know, there was a on Reddit, we had, at one point we were working on GitHub so people could hop in and comment and edit. Um, so we had, you know, not just, you know, there's a handful of names you see frequently in the main community, and then also just a lot of people came out of the woodworks to contribute. And uh, a lot of handles that I never encountered before, just kind of hopping on, adding some edits on GitHub, opening questions about how to make it more accessible um i thought was one of the really cool things uh about the book was bringing just a whole new group of people together to build something
0: yep so uh yeah well done guys um yeah like i said i'd urge people to you know it, it is being uh published today for free in pdf form i think that's an amazing resource for the community but I would urge anybody to just buy it. Or if you if you're gonna download the PDF, you know, send a donation in Monero or something. Uh, do the right thing. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, so I I know you're going to Denver, right? I saw mm-hmm, you're going to yep. be presenting there. And are you you're coming to New York too? I, I think we we talked about some. Are you coming to the the magical crypto conference too? Uh
1: maybe. So I'm definitely going to be. Wait, is that in New York or is that in Denver?
0: There's the Denver one, which is uh, the crypto, the the, just the pure Monero conference um, mm. in June, right? I think that's in June. Yeah. And, uh, then, yeah,
1: so we have, we, and then the Magic one is in is in New York.
0: Yeah, that one's in New York. Just curious if you if you'll be attending. Okay.
1: Maybe I'm definitely I'll definitely be uh, at Monero conference. So I'll be giving a talk about the intersection of data science and privacy and crypto, of course, in the context of Monero. Um, During, just to give like a real quick pitch for what you can hope to take away from that talk is that I'm going to dive in a little bit, not just to showing results, but actually showing, okay, well, how do we, when we when we have a research question, how do we like, and then what's the way that we like can first like take a peek at, which is usually... Either a histogram or a scatter plot, which for a lot of people may be uh, routine, but a lot of other people may not have thought about shuffling data into those. So the hope is that by the end of the talk, not only will people have learned, you know, about some cool Monero phenomena and some next steps and things are improving, but also really how to think when they have a research question. Oh, how can I get the data? Oh, I know how to plot it. I know. I know. I want to see a histogram or something like that. Um, So not just to talk about uh, things that are going. So educational and really empower people to kind of go out and data research in this space. Um, and then I'll be at Consensus in in New York, and then possibly also at the the magical. What was it? Magical crypto thing?
0: Yeah, there's the magical. Uh, oh, you there? Yeah, all right. The Magical Crypto Conference is right before. It's the weekend before Consensus. Um, it's the 11th, and then you have Consensus. Um, and then we're, we're actually throwing the Monero after party. We threw it last year as well f- during Consensus Week. We're throwing that on Monday, the 13th. So that'd be awesome if you could uh, come by that. Get a, yeah, I'll make it happen. You could chat over a few cocktails.
1: Yeah, be <laughs> It'd be great to meet you.
0: Yeah, I urge anybody else to check that out in the Monero community. Uh, if you're going to be in New York, if you're coming in for consensus um, to try to come by that party, it should be really cool. Last year, we had all the uh, the heavy hitters from the community came out. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good event. Uh, but yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for doing the show. Uh, thanks for representing Mastering Monero. Like I said, there's a lot, you know, a lot of people put a lot of work into this. Uh, written by SirHack, he wanted to uh, maintain his anonymity so he didn't come on uh but thank you mitchell for joining us and representing and um yeah it was great happy anniversary! Yeah. oh when do you think we'll see another edition uh is that like a a year away or what do you think
1: um i'm not sure that's that's a question for Sarah hack,
0: um,
1: okay. Sir hack and the team. um yeah thanks thanks again uh helping on the show spreading word about the book you you asked earlier why community have this like great open and transparent and like helpful kind of attitude and ethos. Honestly, it just, I kind of left out one of the important things It's people like you, right? Like, your talk is almost a prototypical example of this type of like strength of Monero community. Um, so thank you for like your role in making that happen.
0: Awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. Trying to do my part. I love the show. <laughs> All right, man. Hopefully see you in New York. Have a good one. Yeah. See you then. Thanks. All right. Ciao.